0: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris, and I'm joined today with Mai Hong from Climate Tracker. How are you doing, Mai?
1: I am good. It's a great sunny day here in Vietnam.
0: All right. And that's great. And we're actually going to talk about Vietnam today because welcome to the third episode of Climate Tracker Specials Asia as we take a deep dive into a brand new focus. We're looking at green growth in Southeast Asia during the times of COVID. And each week we are diving in to a new country across Southeast Asia. And just before we jump in, a very big thank you to Rose Luxemburg Foundation for making all this possible. and so today we 're going to speak a little bit about the media 's coverage of a green transition in Vietnam. Now my, you are from Vietnam, so I'm guessing you know all about this already what's it like in general?
1: I think in general, it's a Big topic that has definitely been discussed um, by the national government, but not translated into concrete um, action points in specific sectors very much. Um, except for the energy sector, I think it's like one of the um, sectors that um, we're starting to see more of a concrete transition to renewable energy and um, solar development. Um, so that's all very exciting. And uh, I've done another research project with Climate Tracker specifically about um, energy transition reporting in Vietnam as well. Um, So interested and excited to see how that compares to um, the transition in other sectors.
0: Sounds cool. Sounds cool. And you have a big kind of a 10-year plan. How how do you think that far into the future? I struggle to think like three weeks into the future. Like I'm making Christmas plans and I am struggling right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me too. I think that's actually one of the problems with these plans is like 10 years ago, everyone thought that coal was going to be the only option. And then like five years later, you have all of these renewable technologies, um, prices just falling. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that until five years after, until you redo the 10 year plan.
0: So authorities in Vietnam right now are trying to think in 2030, you know, what's meant to be the best outcome, which is kind of a crazy mental gymnastics kind of process right now with the kind of falling prices and the shifting global landscape right
1: yeah it's a 10-year plan with an outlook to 2040 actually (laughs) so (laughs) you're trying to think really 20 years ahead
0: no we we could not do that in Australian politics it just would never happen um we can't make a plan that's more than you know a year in advance without complaining about it anyhow you've brought along some friends or some kind of basically some experts to, to help us understand it a little bit. Who's joining us today?
1: So first, I'm going to introduce Nyung. Nyung is our media researcher from Vietnam. Um, so, you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your story?
2: Hi, uh, my name's Nyung I'm from Vietnam. I was born in a small town that uh, that is uh, 60 kil- kilometers south of Hanoi. Now I'm doing my PhD in communication and mass media in the University of Kansas, uh, the USA.
0: So you went to Kansas to learn about Vietnam.
2: (laughs) We're actually trying to learn how to learn about our country in a very scientific way.
0: No, it it makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes kind of leaving the front door means you can kind of reflect on your hometown a little bit. But I want to kind of ask you a little bit about this. You said a small town. If you mean a small town in Australia, you mean like seven people, ten goats, and probably a thousand cows. Like, what do you mean by a small town in Vietnam?
2: You know, when I was born, there was no car, no motorbike. There was no motorbike at all when I was born, and it was no running water, no electricity, and we have absolutely green life. You know, we don't have to worry about chemical residues. Nothing about uh, preserved food, nothing about them. We live with, with nature. And then I grow up, see my country. I love to call Vietnam, my country growth. You know, we, we we was able to make the economic boom after the reform. And then we now have to face with new issues of uh, air pollution, also non-communicable diseases. What, you know, the only we think only the developed country have to face with. However, we are facing though. So yeah, pretty much my story is a, is a story of my country because I was born in the, in the year that this, uh, the people and the government start to think about reform the country and I, and I grow up and enjoy a lot of ach- uh, achievement and, and benefits of that. And I also witness an, a lot of loss in terms of culture, diseases, I lost family member, with is that brought from the modern life, uh, lifestyle um, impact.
0: Wow, that's kind of crazy. And now you're trying to kind of study in the U.S., basically reflecting on all of these processes and, and kind of maybe what's going to happen next.
2: Yeah, I tried my best to at least understand, okay, so what was really happening? What the meaning of them? And I know that not only me, I cannot be the one who find the solution, but at least I can contribute in make people better understanding on a better way out and a less harmful impact or consequences for everybody. Try our best to skip the bad thing, the brown thing, the not not very good thing that the developed country experienced, but they didn't tell us, they didn't tell us at all. You know, they tell us that, okay, development, you know, industrial, industrialization is good. But they didn't tell us about diabetes, you know, cancer, and a ton of issues that we have to face right now.
0: All right. Well, Mai, I'm pretty convinced that Nyung's a genius. So we can basically just stick with her. Did you bring anyone else to the show today?
1: Yes, I also brought another friend as well. Her name is Chang, um, and she's also a genius. So we'll let her speak about herself. <laughs>
3: Well, thank you, Mai, for the introduction. Uh, well, my name is Chang. Uh, I'm from Hanoi, the capital city of, uh, of Vietnam, and I have worked for Vietnam Law Newspaper, a press agency under the Ministry of Justice since uh, 2017. Uh, I have background in psychology, journalism, and law. And um, I actually um, started in the US before, and then I came back to Vietnam in 2016 to see what's going on in my country. and. My topics vary from, uh, like, for uh, environmental issues. I got this sector since uh, the beginning of 2020. And my topics vary from waste management, biodiversity, renew energy pollution to, like, any policy commentary relating to uh, environment. So
0: I'm guessing your kind of memories of growing up was slightly different from Niung's? Right. What was it like to grow up in Hanoi?
3: In my district, uh, when I was born, it was still like a small town, we still have the farms uh, and I still see buffaloes and cows like running on the roads. But like uh, after like 10 years, when I got to 10 or like 15, the uh, landscape is changing in a rapid speed. It was like, I, and, and now I can see like there's no farms or rivers or something like that, but we have like tall buildings maybe like skyscrapers. And um, well, it's very different right now from uh, since since I was born. Comparison is when I was five or six, I just bought uh, my breakfast for 2,000 Vietnam Dong. That is like 10 cents. Right. And and right now I have to pay like 40,000 to 50,000 Vietnam Dong for my breakfast. So it's like 20, 25 times in the past.
0: That is a good weight loss plan right there. If, if my breakfast went up 25 times in price, I, w- I would definitely be skipping that and moving to lunch. Um, but that's kind of a, a crazy transformation. So Mai, what's the link between Nguyen and Truang? what And what are we talking about today?
1: Okay, so the link between Nguyen and Trang is they are both fellows for Climate Tracker's project on green growth in the year of COVID, um, approaching it from two different lens. So Nguyen is our media research fellow, and then Trang is our journalism fellow. Um, but yeah, we're both here today to talk about um, green growth reporting in Vietnam. Um, in the year of COVID.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, let's jump into it. Let's uh, learn some things about Vietnam and let's kind of try to find out what it is like to report on the green transition going on in Vietnam right now.
2: Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here and thank you for the time and having us to talk about a... Kind of, yeah, complicated but excited topics.
1: We want to hear more about both of your work. Um, now, you have very different roles um, within this fellowship, even though you're both part of um, the work about green growth in Vietnam. Um, but yeah, tell us more about what stories you have written or analyzed in the past month and what was that process like for you?
3: In my first story, I present an initiative from Lumbing District, a upgrade area in Tuen Quang province in Vietnam. They uh, combine the technological application uh, into the development of rural livelihoods. Like uh, they bring internet to the upgrade areas. So I I first tell the story of a Zhao farmer named Chiu Quy Bao in Na Loa Hamlet, Xuân Lập village in Tuen Quang province. So because in the past, the, uh, the internet wasn't accessible in his village and and now all those it, it, this is a small change they bring the internet to the village so the the farmers can access to the internet and find information for their agricultural production and they make a lot more money for their lives and their families
0: all right so break it down for me you've effectively got uh some farmers and the idea is that giving them access to the internet can make their lives a whole lot better now i'm guessing these farmers are not going to sit there kind of like doom scrolling on facebook and stuff what's the kind of what's the value that the internet can really give to them
3: when they get access to the internet they can uh, research and find the information so before without connect to without connection to the um the database of information they um, they have little knowledge. They just produce agricultural product from uh, the previous generations. But now, getting used, to, uh, get, getting connected to the internet, they can research and and know they. Uh, what is the current uh, application? The, the current solution. So in in this story, um, the, uh, the 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 farmer he find new solution for, for for his um production. So he he, he raised, um, he, he he found the solution to raise uh, frogs, and geese. So they um so so they in uh, so he invested in um uh, biting, uh frogs uh like. I, I remember ten thousand frogs. He's raising ten thousand frogs, and before he never he, he he had never done something like that before, but when he get access to internet, he he found that well, hey this idea is so interesting and I have money for that, and the investment for that is like um, I, I think a few millions um, few millions Vietnam dongs, and and he making like after he raising like ten thousand frogs, he can uh, make uh he and and he sell that and he can make like. 10, like about 10,000 millions Vietnam don't.
0: Wait, so, so I, I go online and I get sad because I see photos of my ex-girlfriend with kind of, you know, more attractive men. And some guy in Vietnam went online and bought 10,000 frogs. Right. And now he's kind of like changed his whole family's future because he went online and found 10,000 frogs and now he's getting rich.
3: Isn't it sound like he's he's getting rich because usually in uh, off grid areas, they are still very poor? The average GDP of um, people living in off grid areas is about like 20 to 30 million Vietnam dong a year.
0: Mai, can you help me out with this translation? How much is 20 to 30 million dong?
3: 20 to 30 million dong is
1: around 1,000. Yeah, 1,000 USD second cheapest currency in the
3: world
0: yeah but the best sounding currency isn't it
3: yes yes yeah it's just like they're making very low and, um, and, and, and and when he can he, he can make like uh, 10 million Vietnam dong, is' like it's a big for his family and and from that investment he can um, invest in uh, like uh, 200 in, in like 200 geese in raising 200 geese and uh, so he can expand his uh, agricultural production. Uh, just like wow. by like, surfing the internet. I mean, they, they, they are smart because uh, people in the upgrade areas, they want to improve their livelihoods uh, to increase their profits for raising the families. And, um, and, and they only live on uh, the environmental services before and the agricultural <clears throat> production. So when they get new solutions, they will uh, try their best to uh, apply that to their lives.
0: That is absolutely incredible. I mean, that is like straight up the most interesting thing I've heard in about a month.
3: Um, also,
1: I think you mentioned that the man is of um, Zao origins, right? So that's one of the ethnic minorities in Vietnam. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, how uh, th- th- those uh, the Zao community is doing in that area in general and maybe how the internet has helped um, that ethnic minority find more opportunities? In Vietnam,
3: we have like uh... 54 to 55 ethnic cities. In this particular story that I'm, I am have just written, so this village have uh, has about um, uh, four to 500 uh, people living. So most of them are Zhao ethnic and uh, Hmong ethnic. So when they get um, connected to the internet, because they usually in off-grid areas, they live really far from each other. It's, not as closed as we have in the cities. So aside from uh, surfing the the internet for solutions for their lives or entertainment or or something like that, um, they can um, get connected to each other, like you know, to create more like a group, an uh, agricultural group, where they can um, trade the information and trade products. Those
1: are some. Very terrific um, reflections, Chang. Thank you for that. Um, so now I'm going to pass it on to Nyong um, to talk about her media research work. Nyong, um, did you find a lot of stories um, in the past year that talked about uh, green growth and a green transition from the lens of small communities um, and agriculture, like um, the story that uh, Chang is writing, or is um, other sector, other stories more prominent?
2: We- One hundred different uh, news stories on four different um, opinion leading media outlets in Vietnam, including Zing News, Tien Phong Da Nang, uh, online newspaper, and the magazines of environment. Regarding the content aspect, we're working on to see, you know, what kind of. a story sectors that these stories uh, that are categorized in and what kind of um, industrial sectors, for example, like um, energy, transportation, construction, or lifestyles. And uh, we also go deeply into framing uh, try to see how the media shape the views of um, themselves and also guide the audience in understanding the green growth uh, activities, uh, policy, and impact um, in in Vietnam for the last uh, 10 months uh, in the context of COVID. So it's basically like trying to understand, okay, what is this about media coverage that relating to uh, green growth with transitions in the context of the uh, COVID pandemic.
1: Um. So, what would you say is the one key finding? I know you haven't finished the analysis yet, um, but so far, if someone asked you, "Hey, okay, this sounds really cool, um, but you know, I think media analysis seems very um, like intellectual and pedantic. I don't know what the real life significance of that is. What is the one key finding that you would tell them?" Um, about your work that you think matters? So when we talk about researching, um,
2: we we try to think of generalizing you know, the the idea of uh, the media coverage. However, based on the convenient sampling of, of the 100 articles I didn't mean to say that okay this is a whole thing about media coverage um in in vietnam for the last 10 months regarding the um, the, the green transition however i i think i can find out the main things that uh to me is interesting to personally as we may see and as me as um, we may understand that energy transportation and construction those infrastructure sectors um, Took the spotlights of media. There's a lot of stories that, you know, reporting on, writing about interview people, um, that, you know, the uh, uh, information that related to the, those issues. However, it's kind of like quite disappointing to me that I found not much of these stories regarding health and education. And it's also Exponentially strange for me in the context of COVID-19. You know, green growth and green transition appear to me that is not very obvious in in the media that that the that the connection between Green developments, green uh, growth and green um, transition and, and health and education issue. That may be something that media and trend maybe you can have you know some time to think about or, you know, because this is not much of the story talk talking about that. So I, I cannot say anything, I, I cannot find out the reason right now because we still have interview with um, with reporters to ask about that. However, That is one of the points that I would like to raise. The second issue is also um, about the misunderstanding or oversimplification of reporting. What I mean is that, you know, people maybe misunderstanding about green growth and also media stuck with the same issue. For example, regarding the um, um, construction, it seems to me like the media understand uh, green construction in the aspect of ecological construction, meaning that, okay, for them, green construction is building house with, you know, with the area that plant a lot of tree. This is oversimplification of, of green construction is, this is more complex the idea of, of, of green uh, construction that the media have not covered yet. And also I found out one of the, um, one of the stories are talking about green office. Okay, so what is green office? An office that can be manageable in terms of, you know, waste management, try to reduce the, the use of papers and also try to save energy. In, in, the, in the context of office. However, for, for one of the um, um, government's office, they built the green office program, which is planting trees in the office. You know, So the media also report the same. I was expecting that the media should have a better understanding of, okay, green office is not only about planting some trees, In the office, it's much more. It's more complicated, and it's more complex, and it's also more about the efficient use of um, energy and uh, and natural resources.
0: So Nung, you're effectively saying that there is reporting in Vietnam right now that is saying that there is a green transition going on, whether it's in agriculture or architecture or in in kind of the energy sector. But you feel like it's really superficial. You feel like that what they are actually saying isn't really representative of a green transition. It's just kind of greenish.
2: I think that what, that's what I mean, you know, they, they think that they are talking about green transition. However, it's just a very shallow level of understanding about green growth and green transition. And that what we need to maybe educate them more, training them more, providing more information, then better understanding.
1: I feel like you can almost say it's greenwashing um, because a lot of these articles that you mentioned are about um, real estate developers um, pushing mm. their um, new like apartment complex or office building complex um, with green trees.
0: Yeah. And who doesn't want to live in like a, a sustainable new apartment building? It's like best of both worlds, right? Uh, you get to live in an apartment. With air conditioning, but apparently, you know, it's, it's an eco villa, right? Yeah. So, you're, apparently, you're it's like living in the jungle without worrying about mosquitoes.
2: When they talk about green transportation, it's just easily simplified to using e
1: motorbike. Yeah, like Vinfast electricity motorbike.
2: <laughs> green transistor and green transportation. However, it's not, right? It's a very subtle, of understanding of that.
0: All right. Well, this is definitely one perspective from the research, but we actually have a journalist with us. Um, So Trang, we've gone from me loving your frog story and thinking it was the greatest story ever to now me thinking that you represent, you know, the evils of the world of greenwashing. You know, what do you have to say for your industry who's apparently writing such superficial kind of greenish stories. Do you think it's what is kind of being uh, brought up here by Nung is is really an issue? Or do you think it's kind of, you know, a little bit unfair?
3: Thank you, Nung, for sharing your um, perspectives. Well, I think uh, when you um, talk about the um, uh, Vietnam, is like in, in in Vietnam, particularly, when talking about environmental journalism is the broad issues. Usually we have like, the um, the orientation from the government and then it will be broken uh, broken down into plans uh, to um, cities and uh, and then to districts and to village so uh, in, in in one articles or in even like 100 articles we cannot show you the whole plan of the, of a country but we can only show you from a um, from an individual story levels, and then going up to like adding up, like those individual stories will add up to a big pictures. I think environmental reporting, uh, when, when I'm getting to, to this sector of journalism, I found that is it's related to every aspect of society, like construction, like education, like agriculture, economy, tourism, everything they still have the green aspect, the, the, environment, the environmental aspect of that. And like, for example, just the construction of buildings um, is very controversial because we have to balance the economic developments and the environmental protection. And also the journalism in Vietnam is influenced heavily from the uh, politics. So um, when we reporting the news, we have to also follow the journalism rules. We have to respect the political um, uh, issues in Vietnam, and we also have to uh, uh, respect the truth from um, from the realities. And and we cannot like we, we, we cannot like uh, talk a lot like in just like, usually the longest. Um, articles in Vietnam, uh, I, I think like 10 to 6,000 words, nobody gonna read that, they only just read like news from like 10,000 words. I, I, I think that's, that is a long article. And people living in the world of information, they don't have time to read like a novels, of a news, they yeah. were just, they, they were just surfing the title reading the the, the the first paragraph and and uh, reading the first lines of, er, of of every paragraph to get the main uh, news so as the reporter as the journalist when we uh, de- delivering the news we have to think about the people that are who, who are reading our our articles uh, what their education levels do we can can we um deliver the technical news that only experts can read or we want to deliver news to everyone from like all levels of education they can read and understand our articles and and i and as the journalist i i also agree with new that um, green growth and green transition is a very technical issues and it takes a long time to uh to to build to um, to like uh, to, to make it clear to everyone that what what is the definition of green growth or green transition and also I can I can see from all the um, all, all the the, um, the discussions from a national level to individual level they are still arguing on that like what is green growth and even in journalism we we still have like, Contrasting ideas of, uh, of like young said, some people are gonna say that just like growing some trees in an office is not a green um, orientation. It's, it's it's not it's, it's not just simple uh, m- solution. But some some's gonna say that because I'm, because I'm I'm just an office worker. I'm not a constructor. I'm not an investor. And um but uh, but like green transition it. It needs from individual level, right? individuals level, right? So I'm gonna do something small first, like building a small tree, uh, growing a, a tree in my office, or like uh, using less uh, plastic uh, bags and um, uh, using more like um, crystal models uh, or something like that. So. Um, so, so we have con we, we, we still have contrasting um, uh, perspective on this green uh, transition so I, I so so I think new brought a um, brought a, a good perspective for that but I have to argue back that um, in, in in journalism we have uh, like multiple, we, we have like really various uh, perspective on that. And uh, saying some, some journal, some journalistic article is very superficial, I have to agree. But if we want to bring, we want to deliver a more um, detailed and uh, specific and correct um, ideas of like green growth and green transition, we need more time, more articles and, um, and, and, and we need more, to, uh, to, to show that.
1: I'm going to bring it back um, to Jung to respond to that now. I know um, Jung actually also has experience working as a journalist um, before she did more research work and is now a researcher. So um, what um, have you seen, Jung, in either your media analysis now or previously that um, you'd characterize as a good example of an article that's able to present green growth comprehensively in a deeper level, but make it accessible for the Average reader as well, and not like ten thousand words.
2: Uh, I agree with uh, with trying to uh, completely about uh, what is difficulties in, in working in the newsroom in Vietnam, in the context of the country, and we also know that um, green transition is a very complex um, issues. Um, However, what I mean to say that when I read the articles, even some of the very simple issues like green office, you know, green office by now is understood as planting some tree to put on the table on the office. This is not only about that. So for example, I know that it's easier to, to just say than to actually do that, however, Uh, If a reporter can have better understanding on, you know, green office, then she or he can critique the ways of working on that. You know, okay, that is a good aspect of building a green office. However, this would be also about behavior change. It's also about waste management. It's also about reducing the the papers. It's also a lot about, you know, uh, saving energy you know, by uh, keeping the um, air conditioner at 27 degrees uh, Celsius, right? So what I mean is, you know, the journalists, if they, they really pay attention on, they can find a lot of better aspect that can be still understandable and, and, and you know, sim- simple enough for everybody to understand. So I don't try to critique, the thing is, please you know, just don't trust the, the information source too much. They said, this is green office. And then you write out, okay, this is green office. And you provide the audience, this is green office. However, audience expect more than from you. You know, the understanding, the connection with different experts and then people who have a deep understanding about that. And you can be able to provide criticism. And I think the information source also will very appreciate that, okay, journalists provide us some new understanding, and next time we can do it better.
1: Okay, thank you for that, Nyung. And were you able to find any articles in your um, sampling this time that would maybe bring on more perspectives and more critical ideas, like you said? This is
2: kind of difficult. So (laughs) most of them are kind of like very simple. And many of them are like PR stories that re- rely very much on on yeah, one perspective or you know the press release of the companies, the project, and you know the production that that some company try to promote. Uh, however, uh, as I said before, there's a, um, uh, a series of. Um, uh, What what I try to call um, investigation uh, stories about the um, breaking of the master plan on solar uh, power plants in Vietnam. For example, I I should try to make it simply. Like for example, in Ninh Thuận province, the government um, approved 10 uh, projects on solar plants only. However, now the company, I think they, they see the, um, they see the potential of business in that. and there is somehow 70 you know solar planners planned in one single province. So it, it's, it's not ha- only happened in, sing- in one single province, it's happened in different provinces. And also uh, there is a concern about, uh, that many of the solar plants that are uh, planted and built in, uh, in, the, in the border areas with the other country. And they are just trying to get the permission of, uh, of building one and then they sell it to the foreigner investor. So it's also my effect to, you know, national security because it's a, um, it's a borderland, right? There's a five different uh, um, articles that related to those issues. And I found it's very interesting also because they also mentioning that even though solar you know, power plants is, um, it's the symbol of, um, you know, renewable energy, however, uh, it's also a concern was raised about how to do waste management with a battery when they broken or like they cannot use it anymore. And um, I think we, we sort also you know, encourage um, reporter to, to write about it, to go deeply into these uh, issues. Because yeah, green transition is not only about convenience advantages, It's also about how to manage the the impact a negative impact of that as
1: well. Yeah, I think definitely the energy transition to renewables and solar development, it's one of the big stories in Vietnam that has received more critical um, and like you said, investigative and in-depth reporting um, than the other sectors, which maybe haven't seen more um, development recently. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pass it back to Drang, wondering if any of that um, media research insight is going to um, inform your b- reporting on this. Second story of your fellowship. Um, I know you were thinking of writing about energy transition as well.
3: I think Nyung gives me a lot of um, critical insights about my uh, my next uh, articles. Uh, but before coming to that part, I, I I I want to go back a little bit uh, to the uh, green office idea because I just um re, uh, I it just reminds me one part in my uh, in my previous articles uh, in in Lumbin District, so, um, so of course, the, the green office um, idea is much more than just planting trees, and I have to agree like totally to that. And um and 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 I think a lot of articles haven't given the uh, the uh, the broad views uh, of uh, like or or the um, the complete plans of the the companies or each, uh, governmental agencies. What, of what they are doing right now. Like in uh, when, when I'm working with Plumbing Districts, I know that when they bringing the internet to the village and to the district, it's not only just to give people there the chance to get access to the internet. They also implement um, a new, uh, uh, another plans, like uh, from since the beginning of the year when they cover the internet, to the whole, to to um, most of the uh, most of the um, um, to most of the districts, um, they also organized like um, I think, eight, eighty online meetings, and they want to implement the uh, to to the district levels. So they uh, to not to the village levels. So uh, they want to implement the paperless meeting room and instant work assignment or smart. Reminder initiatives, so they want to reduce the um, the papers used in the um, governmental activities. Like every day, you 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 know that there's like tons of work to do, and they use a lot of papers. So they want to uh, just just in uh, um, getting access to internet. Uh, they 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 also implement other plans in um, reducing. Their influence in the environment, um, and uh, also uh, I have also I have one chance to uh, work with uh, a, a big company in Vietnam before, which is VinSmart, uh, a, um, a a smaller one of uh, Vin, Vin Vin Group. So they um, and and I had the chance to read uh, their environmental plan to adapt to this green transition, and it's a big plan. Not just planting trees, but they also having to change their packaging um, uh, packaging providers before they have to change the uh, employees' behaviors, like Nyung said, and um, they 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 have to uh, uh, they they have certain time uh, during the day to turn off the lines for, uh, for 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 the energy saver. So I so so in in reality, it is. A big plans but i think the journalists uh the the, the journalists uh, sometimes they 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 miss the part they, they miss the big picture and they only uh deliver just a part of it so the readers uh when when they don't have such a vast knowledge of the issues they will they were just thinking like green transition is just like trees and and and, and just like less plastic things and um and, and, and I think, and I have to agree with Nyung that um, if we just like uh, um, delivering those stories in just um, in, in this very small aspects of the whole green transition plans, uh, the readers will miss a, a big part of it. And they will misevaluate evaluate uh, what we are really doing right now in reality, moving forward to the uh, to, to my next story on solar energy, so I'm concerned about how we uh, manage the um, the uh, the waste from uh, solar batteries because the solar energy is a big um, is like a big investment in Vietnam right now. Like everyone wants to uh, go for solar energy and especially solar energy on rooftop, and I heard that they had. Um, and 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 we, we we all say that it's the green it's um renewable and it and, and it's clean and I'm concerned like how clean it is and uh, how green it is and how because like all uh renewable energy like all con construction will have certain influence in the environment and in the society as a whole so um in in journal uh, in Vietnamese journalism right now we kind of like bringing this solar energy to the top of the world is like uh but but it still has the um uh, downsides in in um in the environment for for the next articles i i want to find more information about like um the company's plans and also uh the um the um government's plan to uh to to manage the waste from solar batteries yeah uh, because it's still controversial right now
1: I hope you're able to write an investigative and critical story about that and maybe also provide some solutions as well um, that the government and companies can look to for managing solar battery waste.
0: Yeah, I think that was really nice and it was really nice how we kind of got into a bit of attention and then it was kind of resolved.
1: All right. So thank you so much for your responses and the discussion so far, um, Chang and Yong. I'm very glad that we invited you guys. And do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up?
3: After this discussion, I have more insights from um, researchers uh, for improving my articles in the future. So I have to thank you, Jung, for that, and I have to thank uh, you, you guys in Climate Trackers, for uh, setting up this meetings. Um, and hope to work with you in the future for more issues.
2: Thank you for having us. Um, as I said before, 100 articles is not about the whole thing in the media coverage however we we work on this with the with the understanding and the expectation of you know giving some contribution to have a better um, media coverage uh, regarding the ranch um, green transition in the country
0: yeah and i can't wait to read that story about the farmer and his frogs like to be honest I'm I, I don't know what I'm doing on the internet right now after hearing that I, I feel like an absolute idiot you know I think I was like scrolling through like NBA highlights last night and and this guy was probably like looking for kind of I don't know more geese to buy
1: thank you so much again Chang and Yong and I'm looking forward to seeing you again
0: all right thanks everyone see you later bye thank you
1: bye-bye
0: wow my that was kind of crazy hearing from Nyung that she kind of grew up in such a rural setting, and she's witnessed so much transformation in her life.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vietnam has changed so much. Um, she was referencing the reforms in 86. Um, that really started kicking in, like, in the early 90s, and it seemed, it's like a
0: different world. In the 90s, I thought she was, like, the way she was speaking, I, like, I was looking at her, and I'm like, yeah, like, you're kind of my age, but she sounded like she was 85 years old. She was, like, kind of talking like a grandma who's just seen... You know the craziest change over the twentieth century.
1: Yeah. Were you ready for her to be like, "Oh, before World War II,
0: <laughs> my life was better." It, I, I thought she was going to break that out, but then, kind of, you know, it just makes me realize how rapid this shift is being um, in in some parts of Southeast Asia, but particularly in Vietnam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't imagine what it must be like to be of that generation and sort of witnessing that degree of change every five years when you're growing up.
0: With all of that kind of being said, and with everything that like Trang was writing about, do you think Vietnam's undergoing a a green transition right now?
1: I definitely think green transition is a theme and a buzzword that's being thrown around a lot by the government and by businesses. Um, This is something that Jung spoke a lot about. Um, In the energy sector, it's definitely very real that um, we're seeing a lot of renewable energy projects popping up at a crazy fast rate. Um, But I'm not sure about the other sectors. I mean, Vietnam is still very much prioritizing economic development. So it's almost like green transition is great if we also you know, develop economically.
0: That's a lot of what Nguyen was also saying about her research at the moment. It sounded like Trang was saying that there is a way of blending those kind of elements though, that, that particularly that story about the farmer utilizing the internet for what sounded like still a, a kind of a relatively small scale kind of beautiful green solution. Um, I don't know how he treats his geese, but, you know, like it, it sounded like kind of it was this kind of idyllic blend of, of kind of the new technology and the kind of the family substance kind of model. Do you think that that's uh, still a possibility across the country or do you think that the reality is that that shift is just kind of much more dramatic than that when you look at the broader scale?
1: I think it's something of a push and pull certainly with the younger generation. um, There's a movement actually of people going to cities for college and then moving back into rural areas um, to start small businesses and initiatives like um, the farmer that Trang was talking about. Um, There's a lot of um, new like ecotourism initiatives popping up as well. Um, So I'd say there is a trend towards like smaller scale um, sort of green development. Um, And I guess we can be hopeful and think maybe if enough people choose that option, um, society as a whole will realize that it's not just the uh, skyscrapers and um, the coal power plants that are appealing for the Vietnamese dream, I guess.
0: All right, well, obviously kind of all of that is uh, yet to be seen. And and you mentioned there's a big kind of 10 year plan that's gonna be announced pretty soon that might have a big role in shaping that. What's your general sense? Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic about the green transition in Vietnam?
1: I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, especially after the energy reporting analysis that I did um, with Vietnam and four other Southeast Asian countries, um, we do see that actually uh, renewables in Vietnam get a more in-depth reporting than in other places because there has been more solar um, development here. Um, So that's one of the many things that give me some optimism, but um, definitely it's I mean, Vietnam, I think, is ranked by Climate Action Tracker as critically insufficient in terms of meeting greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but we're also one of the most vulnerable countries in terms of climate change. Um, so, gonna see how that plays out in the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, super interesting. Well, next week we're going to be kind of jumping into another part of Southeast Asia, so I can't wait. And uh, and I've learned so much from this discussion. So thanks so much for inviting me. Wait, we invited you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I was invited sure
1: all right so thank you again everyone and that's it for this episode this is Mai Hong with Chris Wright for Climate Tracker Specials Asia
0: if you have comments suggestions and feedback you can email us at podcast at if you're listening on Apple Podcasts kindly leave us a comment it's not only kind it helps new listeners to find us so it's like double karma Subscribe to our newsletter and visit our pretty cool website where we have stories from all around the world. You can also join us again next time for another episode of Climate Tracker Specials Asia. We'll be interviewing someone else from the region, some more experts, and my producer doesn't want me to say this, but good evening, good afternoon, and good night.